you don't need the traditional office anymore. You just need a stable internet connection and uh, that's it, you're good to go. For me, I've eased into this whole uh, notion of digital nomad. I consider myself working globally and virtually. Welcome to Who Rules Your Life? Podcasting with the people who live their purpose. I'm Dina Newman. I'm a journalist. I live in London, UK. And with my co-host, Tina Bieber, we're asking, what does a purpose-led life look like? We know it helps us to develop resilience during an economic downturn, such as now. It helps us to cope with change. While jobs come and go, we can carry on doing our work. So, how do we live our life purpose? It all comes down to the choices we make in life. And that's what we call to rule our life. So, in our first episode, we discuss the first important step. Can you and should you walk away from a comfortable job if it doesn't fit your life purpose anymore? Today, we're ready to discuss the next step. So many millennials in the developed world are super keen to travel. And not just for a holiday, as a lifestyle, hence the concept of a digital nomad. The recent pandemic has obviously slowed them down and they're literally itching to get back on the road. This itch is a bit of a mystery to me and when it comes to millennials, I'm always learning from my co-host Tina Bieber. She's a millennial. She happens to have a lofty purpose to unify the world, which involves a fair amount of traveling. And she seems to be making a living out of it too. Tina, Tina what's your secret? <laughs> That sounds like the holy grail. That's right, but it's actually very easy. You just need to follow your heart and your intuition. Right. Well, that's your typical millennial new age also. (laughs) That's right. The lost generation. You know that. (laughs) But I would like to actually introduce you to two um, very wonderful people today who can maybe also tell you a little bit more about it, how to do it and how to live it. So um, I'm excited to introduce Tom and Laura to you today, who both live a rather, I would say, probably unconventional life. (laughs) And uh, let me start with Laura, Laura Lichter, um, a full-time digital nomad that turned down a very attractive job offer actually three years ago to leave everything behind in Germany and to travel the world with her boyfriend. So today... Um, The two are actually on their way from Vietnam to Germany, traveling solely by land and working as digital marketing consultants. Um, Right now, Laura and her boyfriend are locked in Iran, um, like locked down in Iran during um, the COVID-19 crisis. And um, yeah, but today Laura is here and um, I'm pleased to have you, Laura. Yeah, um, I'm very excited to be here. This is my very first podcast experience. Um, and I find it very interesting to have to be here with four, like four people from four different time zones. I'm very interested in um, beliefs or passions, motivations. Why do we choose this kind of lifestyle? And I'm also happy to introduce Tom Thomason to you. Tom actually considers himself a purpose agent, um, which he actually does for a living, Dina. So um, A purpose so, um, agent for a living. Right. I really want to know more about that. 
It's going to be a very interesting conversation today. So, um, yeah, Tom actually brings the expression of uh, digital nomad to a complete different level. And for Tom, decentralized living is a lifestyle. And uh, Tom is currently locked down in Dallas, Texas. I am, yes. And, um, yeah, also here today. Welcome, Tom. So, as you may have guessed from Tina's introduction today, we are talking about digital nomads, which basically means, I mean, it sounds glamorous, right? What it means, as far as I'm concerned, these are people who work remotely while continuously traveling. Sounds great. But how is this a purpose rather than a whim? Is it just a fantasy about life that is all fun, 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 and for the photos to look great on Instagram? So, I really need to be persuaded today. Uh, and Tina, thank you very much for for making it happen and connecting us across four time zones. Of course, it's uh, COVID-19 is a terrible thing, but it's thanks to this lockdown that we managed to pin these two down because otherwise they're constantly traveling. Try catch them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited because this topic is uh, happens to be also a part of my life. And um, I'm in particular also interested in, um, in how do you run a business while doing this, right? What Laura and Henrik are doing. And, um, and Tom um, claims to have a complete decentralized lifestyle. And I'm really curious about that topic and might get some inspiration from it. So, um, yes, let's get it going. So, to be honest with you, until today, I've always thought that uh, work is work. And then when you, when you have time off, you go traveling. I just think until you've earned your right to travel through hard work, I think it's a little bit self-indulgent. Uh, uh, Laura, let's start with you, because I can see you on Zoom. You have a bright, vibrant yellow background behind you, which looks gorgeous. And we know that you are joining us from Iran, which is quite extraordinary. I mean, of all places for a digital nomad, Iran is not the one that strikes me as full of opportunities. How did you end up there? Yeah, um, funny story. So two years ago, we, um, my partner and I, we had the idea to travel overland from Vietnam to Germany. And our time schedule was completely off. Um, uh, and at some point, we we spent seven months in India. We ended up being in Pakistan. And then we finally crossed the border to Iran one day before they shut down the borders because of COVID-19. Um, at this point, we thought, wow, we're so lucky. Uh, we made it just in time. And little did we know that basically all neighbors of Iran shut their borders indefinitely. Um, at some point, we decided to keep a low profile kind of settle here in Iran and wait and see how the situation evolves. Um, and like you said, Iran is not necessarily the dream destination of a digital nomad. Um, there are so many obstacles for somebody who works remotely, given the sanctions, given the economic situation of the country. And it really, like we always, we always say, Iran forces you to be creative because you really have to kind of find workaround solutions uh, to to things that are usually a given that we take for granted. But um, I'm very happy with the situation that we have uh, <laughs> kind of set up for us. Uh, we had a lot of help uh, of of locals, and we kind of yeah set up our office here <laughs> for the time being. 
Extraordinary. What do you actually do? I mean, I know you're a digital nomad. Um, what what <laughs> do you do? How on yeah. earth do you make a living? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, so my partner and I, before we started traveling, we actually started a company in Estonia. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of e-residency, but we became e-residents of Estonia. Uh, we founded a company that allows us to work remotely anywhere in the world uh, as a European entity. And basically what we do right now is that we have a, a online marketing agency and we basically uh, do different projects for different clients around the world, whether it's Germany, Thailand, um, webshop design, website design, search engine optimization, Google ads, search engine advertising. So there are a lot of different um, online marketing tools or uh, tactics that we do for clients remotely. Because these days, you know, the, you don't need the traditional office anymore. You just need a stable internet connection and uh, that's it. You're good to go. Right. So home is where the Wi-Fi is. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Tom, what about you? You you told us you, you're in Texas at the moment. Uh, and, and how are you feeling not traveling for two, three months now? Tough? You know, it is quite a shock, actually. Um, I am very accustomed to working remotely. So I've been at this long enough. Um, I have a few decades under my belt <laughs> business-wise as an entrepreneur starting several uh, businesses and kind of seeing the whole movement uh, where everybody would go to the office, of course. I mean, who would think of not going to the office <laughs> to work? And then there was this notion of being able to take, um, you know, Friday off or work from home, flex working, right? And then there was the hotel working kind of thing. And then there was the, can you do your, your work virtually kind of thing. And so um, I've been through, and then there was the frequent business traveler kind of thing. So I've experienced all of those. And for me, I'm an experimentalist. I, I, as an entrepreneur, I try things and I see what works and what doesn't. And I model uh, based on what works for me. And I kind of repeat that. So for me, I've eased into this whole uh, notion of digital nomad. Um, in fact, it's actually an evo evolution of virtual work. So I don't even consider myself a nomad per se. I consider myself working globally and virtually. So I work from wherever I find this, myself. This is... This is mind-boggling enough already, thank you. But to, to, add, to add to all that... I was like, what? To add to all that confusion, you also call yourself a purpose agent. What kind of job yeah, description is well, that? Well, again, not a made-up term, but from my felt experience of living into how I work. So I started out as an entrepreneur, and I founded a few companies, and then I did the whole um, climb the corporate ladder kind of thing as a boss, executive, the C-suite stuff, the chief everything officer, the chief executive <laughs> officer, and then the management Impressive. consultant, right? And then climbing the partnership ladders and all of that kind of stuff. And um, things just began to shift where the work was no longer tied to a position, a job description. And this really came to life when I launched uh, Holacracy One back in 2007, diving full on deep into the self-organization movement. So self-organization is a different way to think about your work. And this is what led to purpose. 
So in self-organization, everything hangs on purpose. Purpose is the new boss, you might say. And so my work is about purpose. My work serves purpose. And I am not an employee. I have not been an employee for about a decade and a half. I'm an independent agent, not a freelancer, not a digital nomad, but an independent agent of purpose because I serve a lot of purposes. Dina, right? are you okay? Are so, you fine? <laughs> <laughs> you look like your mind is so about to these explode. Are, <laughs> these are not made up terms that sound kind of cool. These come from a first person lived experience of how I show up and make a living. And so how do you, <laughs> forgive me for coming back to the basics again, how do you actually make a living? Who pays you <laughs> to, to, to be a purpose agent? So the, the enterprises that I contribute my time and my talent and my energy towards compensate me for that energy, that time, that know-how, that wisdom. And I have launched many companies now who have their own unique purposes. Very concretely, one of them is to upgrade legal and capital structures and upgrade employment structures so that it's easier for all of us to work this way if we choose to. And the company before that, concretely, was to upgrade and replace one power system that we're really all accustomed to, management hierarchy, replace that with something else. So concretely a new set of rules to coordinate effort to get work done. And people pay for that because it provides operational efficiency. It gives you employee engagement where you don't have it before. And many, many other things that are of value. Can I be honest with you, Tom? So my impression at this stage, either it's very, very, very clever or it's very, very, very mad. <laughs> well, two sides of the same coin, right? <laughs> so an entrepreneur is always a little mad and hopefully somewhat clever from time to time. <laughs> no. Tina? Well, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a question actually to Laura. Um, because, you know, I, I know Laura from our bachelor's studies and Laura was very much about, you know, um, accomplishments were important, right? Like to also get the best grades. I would say Laura was our star student, actually. <laughs> and then I was on social media three years ago and I saw, okay, Laura, you know, decided to leave everything behind and to travel the world and to be a digital nomad. So I was like, okay, Jesus, what happened with Laura? <laughs> So what happened? That that uh, what what was the triggering point that you made this decision? Yeah, I asked myself this question a lot of times, and a lot of people ask this questions many times. Um, yeah, you're right. Like I know that I used to define myself a lot through my academic accomplishments and my professional milestones, and I had a very very clear path that I followed. Um, really until 2017 and I mean there are a couple of events that just came together that kind of pushed me over the edge to actually take the step. So 2017 was my uh, graduation year of my master's degree and I was sitting in Stockholm writing on my master thesis and by that time I had uh, <laughs> kind of starting to read the bible of digital nomads I call it uh, Everyone knows him probably, Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week. Can, can, can you give the name of the book again, please? Because uh, some some people yeah, might it's not know it's it. <laughs> Some people may not. It's uh, Tim Ferriss, the four-hour work week. 
And I believe every digital nomad probably read this book <laughs> at some point in their lives. And so this book was kind of bringing up thoughts and I, I believe this was kind of the beginning of this whole questioning and reflecting upon my purpose. Um, and then uh, in April 2017, uh, I was uh, I was in Stockholm. I was on my way to the shopping street. I was looking for a present uh, for my for my mother. And that day, there was a, a terrorist attack, and there was a, a, a guy hijacking a truck, driving into the shopping street. And I was on my way to this very same shopping street. And I mean, this was kind of the moment where I really sat down with myself and said, okay, I really have to reflect upon my choices. And what re what does, what is my purpose in life? Like, if I die today, can I say that I live to the fullest? Am I happy with my choices? And that was the moment that I started um, to reflect uh, on my choices. And yes, I always, like since 2012, uh, I had this passion for traveling. So I suddenly knew that I didn't just have, I just didn't want to have only a vacation. I wanted it to make it my, my, my life. I wanted to make it part of my life full time. And yeah, so basically... Uh, after months of discussions with my with my partner, we finally decided to actually take the step because we knew uh, in this digital age that there are so many opportunities out there to make a living online. And it's just a perceived risk that we have in our society that tells us not to take the step. Well, I mean, if you're working online, I get it. Say you move from Germany to, to France or to somewhere else with good internet connection, but Iran, for God's sake. So when, I mean, do you have stable internet for a start? Um, so surprisingly, yes. Inter uh, Iran is surprisingly well connected these days. But I think overall, it's 21st century and you find proper internet everywhere, like I, I understand and I know where you're coming from to say you can just move to a different country, that, that should be sufficient, but it was more like this this urge or like this curiosity about different cultures and kind of continuously exploring new cultures, maybe that are even not conventional and not uh, on everyone's typical bucket list. Places like Pakistan, India, Iran, these are places that have taught me so much um, cultures that or countries that have suffered from a lot of stereotypes and a lot of um, negative media that made it even more interesting for me to to go there and, f and see it for myself because I think a lot of people would say wow you're so privileged like the way you talk just go off traveling I know that this is very privileged and I'm I'm not an Iranian I'm not a Syrian refugee I know that so you, and you and traveling every day makes me more grateful and more appreciative of what I have, what we have as German citizens or let's say Western citizens, because there are so many people in this world who do not have this freedom. I really was resonating with Laura's comments about understanding other cultures is the only way uh, to begin to understand your own, at least for me. Um, I, I, the thoughts that you gave us previously, Tom, they've been percolating through my mind a little bit and I've been sort of mulling them over. What is decentralized living? What on earth is that? This isn't just a whimsical kind of, I want to identify as this clever new thing. It's a whole 
shifting of a lifestyle, so, um, which is part of my purpose, how I understand my work in the world, is to model how to work differently, make a living differently, super important to be sustainable, and then live differently, culturally, relationships, um, social systems that support that too. And the differently part is decentralized, less, less command and control, less fused to one particular thing, free to choose lots of things that inspire you, lots of things to contribute to, have lots of work relationships, lots of opportunity to earn a living through various income streams, and lots of opportunity to have relationships with people all over the planet with a whole wide range of intimacy. How do you do that in a decentralized, not centralized way? So this is the, the motive for me, is to live into that experiment. And it started with the work. I, again, um, very classic, very conventional business guy, entrepreneur, manager, executive, and experiencing all the pains of conventional organizational systems, enough pain to cause me to be ready to surrender my whole idea of command and control centralized structures to get work done. And this led me on my whole self-organization journey, right? So decentralized living is kind of the theme. So what I'm thinking now, uh, uh, talking to you two, I'm beginning to realize that everything your parents taught you once upon a time is probably <laughs> obsolete by now for you. You must have moved on hugely from from what your mom and dad taught you once. But uh, because uh, we ask this question to everybody on this podcast, what are the three things that you can think of that your parents taught you once upon a time that were useful at the time but do not apply anymore? Um, Laura? Yeah. Uh, I like to replace parents with society. And... Um, yeah, I think there are three uh, important things that I realized for myself that have changed a lot over the years. Uh, first, definitely the assumption to play it safe and to avoid risks. So it, it has always been this idea that you opt for being an employee rather than being an employer. You would rather opt for a safe job that brings in a steady income and that can help to secure your retirement rather than pursuing a dream and starting your own business. And starting your own business has always been associated with high risk and uncertainty, and it's not worth taking the risk. So this has changed a lot over the years, I think. Um, secondly, what I have observed is uh, a shift in, in status symbols. So I think there has been a movement from money affluence towards time affluence. So maybe back in the days, uh, you know, you, you should have an expensive car, a large television, a big house. But these days, it's more about having the time for experiences or maybe the money for experiences and time for your interests and hobbies or taking a long-term vacation. Um, so I think there has has changed a lot. And then lastly, the third, um, <laughs> I think, is the assumption that travel is merely a short-term vacation, a break from your regular life, and not a long-term lifestyle concept. Yeah, so I think these three points were also personally very relevant to me. Right, and, and what about you, Tom? Uh, do you remember anything your parents 
taught you. (laughs) (laughs) And is any of it relevant? I do try to stay in a very present moment (laughs) state and not carry through things that no longer work very well or serve very well. So I have forgotten a lot for sure. Um, But uh, my parents are still alive. I still have a great relationship with them and hang out. Uh, They're here in Dallas. So for for them, um, that value of once you commit to something, you're you're in. You've committed. It's a, a long-term kind of thing. And there's huge value in that. Again, not a push against. But what I have learned is better to be in authentic commitment over time, renegotiate, to much better than to live to something you made, a commitment you made 20 years ago when the world has changed around you. And you're actually worse off for staying true to that commitment. Um, similar on Laura on the, the risk taking. So I think just um, generationally shifted for my parents of being well, much more risk averse. Although they, um, they did um, experiment a bit, even with the family system, and take some calculated risks. But I'm kind of on the farther end of that spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the mantras growing up um, is, with my mother in particular is stay safe, be careful. Um, it's that fear notion. And all well-intended, for sure, uh, uh, of course. But for me, it's like, where's the adventure? <laughs> where's the risk? Um, and um, so that's quite a bit different. My risk profile is quite a bit different than how I was raised. Um, so those are some things that come to mind. <clears throat> well, thank you for sharing all these uh, things. I have to, yeah, that that's probably will take me some time to digest. Uh, I, <laughs> I thought so, too, when I saw you face, Dina. <laughs> So, uh, I have to say that to my own surprise, um, I'm finding the idea of decentralized living very attractive. I think probably... That surprises me too here. It is extremely surprising. Look, I was brought up in a communist system where everything was extremely centralized. That's the whole point of communism. Everything is super centralized. And I guess what I've been doing all my life in my modest way was kind of very, very cautiously, very, very carefully decentralizing bit by bit. And uh, particularly resonating with Tom's idea, um, Tom's lesson that commitments are important, but it doesn't mean you need to stick to them through thick and thin forever and never, ever change because life does change. Your energies shift. You may be not able to carry on with this commitment, but you might be able to take on another one. So an intelligent approach to commitments is probably um, a good thing. As I'm saying this, I'm slightly scared myself, actually. But <laughs> thank you for for sharing your insights. Amazing. Yeah, what, what I'm taking away today, I'm, I'm really inspired by both of you. And um, I mean, I'm, I met you, Laura, during the studies, and I can relate to a lot of things um, from like what what we learned in our culture in Germany in being like, you know, you have to kind of like follow certain certain things um and um yeah just going the step and traveling the world going also as um as a woman through like traveling through countries that are rather unconventional to travel through and um and seeing that and how you deal with it and um, i find this very beautiful i love to travel the world i love to work from different places and i also really feel home in different places around the globe so thank you guys so much 
for, for today. I loved it. Laura Lichter and Tom Thomason showing us how traveling can be a life purpose. By the way, I wouldn't advise working in Iran as a digital nomad. Laura and her boyfriend have now left the country. And I'm still not entirely sure what Tom's work is, but, you know, I've spent some time online now with people discussing their life purpose, and it's often not what I expect it to be, not what I relate to, not what I would do, but that's not the point. It's their purpose, not mine. Personally, I'm not convinced that traveling continuously is affordable or even practical for most people, or whether it's good for the environment, actually. But what does resonate with me is that both Laura and Tom are willing to experiment with their life, take risks, think outside the box. And that, to me, is part of ruling your life. Would you agree? So some people have already started sharing their stories with us on our website, whorulesyourlife.com, with dashes between words. And please email us with your stories and your comments, whorulesyourlife at yahoo.com, in one word. Download, subscribe, and rate wherever you find this podcast. Only genuine ratings and reviews, please. Stay true to yourself, and let's keep exploring our life purpose together. And that's it from this episode of Who Rules Your Life? Podcasting with the people who live their purpose. Many thanks to our guests, Laura Lichter and Tom Thomason. It's goodbye from us, Tina Newman and Tina Bieber. Until next week.